Well, hey, welcome to Hilltop Community Church. We're glad you're here this morning. And uh, coming off of Easter season here and uh, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, his literal, physical, historical resurrection from being dead and buried and raised uh, from that back to life. Uh, proving that he is God, proving that uh, all the claims that he made were legitimate claims, uh, and also giving us new life. It's an amazing season, uh, something to not forget, <laughs> obviously. The resurrection of Jesus last week marked the literal, uh, historical, physical resurrection. I mean, it took place on a day um, yesterday, you know, took place yesterday, 2,000 some years ago. That's amazing that Jesus literally rose from the dead. So don't lose sight of that. That's not something to forget but, and remember just that one week. Um, because through that resurrection, we have relationship with God. And so as we look at the passage this morning, uh, what I want you to see in Ezekiel chapter 12 is that, is that there's, there's a really important message here, but it's kind of difficult. And uh, Oftentimes, that's how God interacts with us. He has something very important that He wants to tell us, but it maybe doesn't strike exactly uh, as something that feels really comfortable. And a lot of times when God speaks to us, He has something for us, uh, and it's based on His character, and it's in line with His promises and what He's revealed He wants to do uh, in our lives and in the course of history for the plan of His salvation. So He, he reveals something to us, and, and we look at it and we go, hey, that's, that's really important news, but it's kind of hard to. And... Oftentimes, that's how God interacts with us. It's not always that way. Oftentimes, God is a comforter. Oftentimes, He's somebody who, who wraps His arms around us and, and puts us in a place where we feel safe and at peace. Um, and, and, but oftentimes, He says, I have something for you, and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's kind of jarring, actually. Um, and that's what we're going to see in this passage. And, and ultimately, the, the news that we have here is that uh, God wants relationship with you and I. That's, that's really important news. God wants relationship with you and I. That's really important news. And part of that relationship is certain, certainly comfort, and part of that relationship is certainly peace. But part of that relationship is a little bit jarring. Because he, he's, he's going to say, I, I can't have you live the way you used to anymore. This has to change. Uh, you, you can't keep going after the same stuff. It has to change. So there's a story of a family, and uh, they're, 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 they're known for their intelligence, this family. Uh, the dad is, a, is, is finishing medical school, and he's just done his residency, and, and he's sitting down at the table, and he's working on some stuff on his computer, and um, uh, the oldest son is off at college, and the youngest son is in high school. And uh, the youngest son, it's Sunday night, and he sits down on his computer, and he's typing away and you know, doing something on his computer. And the mom looks at him and says, hey, what are you doing? Are you playing a game on your computer? And he says, no, 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 no. I've got a project that's due tomorrow. Due tomorrow? You put it off till, till Sunday night? To, you, know, you waited till the last minute to do your project? And you know, he's known for his intelligence. So he says, mom, with the competition I have, the last minute's plenty of time. Um, there's a little bit of hubris in this young man. And the dad's sitting at the, at the he's, he's there working on his computer, and he looks up, and he you know, kind of pauses what he's doing. And he says, son, I can tell you from eight years of medical school, the last minute is very often the most productive, right? And a lot of times that's what we do in life, right? We kind of wait to the last minute to take care of the things that matter. 
That's actually what the people in this passage are sort of saying to God. They're saying, we'll wait till the last minute. Um, we, we don't really want to deal with that part of your character yet, God. We only want to deal with the parts of your promises that we like, you know, the promises of comfort and the promises of peace and the promises. We, wanna, we like those promises, and, and we like the prophets that proclaim those promises. But the prophets like Ezekiel that come along and proclaim these promises that are, are regarding towards judgment, we don't really want to listen to that. And that's what you see in this passage, and it certainly can be an attitude within us, is that we only like to listen to the promises from God that make us feel like it's comfy and cozy to be a Christian or to follow Him. So let me read these verses with you. We're in Ezekiel chapter 12. We'll start in verse 1, and we'll go through verse 7 here to begin with. We're going to read the whole chapter, but we're going to break it into chunks. Verse 12 of chapter 1 says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, you live in the midst of a rebellious house who have eyes to see but do not see, ears to hear but do not hear, for they are a rebellious house. Think of all the times in the Gospels where you heard Jesus say, Who has ears to hear, let him hear. You realize what he was saying. He was saying, Anybody who's not rebellious, you'll hear what I have to say. Therefore, son of man, prepare for yourself baggage for an exile, and go into exile by day in their sight. Even go into exile from your place to another place in their sight. Perhaps they will understand, though they are a rebellious house. So they're not listening to you, so give them play act for them. And God has already actually had Ezekiel do this, lay on this side for a certain amount of time and lay on that side for a certain amount of time. And God's build a ramp. And he's, he's actually had Ezekiel sort of play out some things for the people to under, so they could understand the prophecies multiple times. This time he's saying, I know they're not really going to listen and they don't really want to pay attention to what you have to say. So give this a try. Act it out in front of them. Verse 5, dig a hole through the wall in their sight and go through it. Load the baggage on your shoulder in their sight and carry it out in the dark. You shall cover your face so that you cannot see the land, for I have set you as a sign to the house of Israel. I did so, as I had been commanded. By day I brought out my baggage like baggage of an exile, then in the evening I dug through the wall with my hands, probably the wall of his house, and I went out in the dark and carried the baggage on my shoulder in their sight. And what God is having Ezekiel do here is he's having him act out going into exile and not being able to see where he's going. This is going to be a physical reality for King Zedekiah. We're going to see that in the next set of verses, that this will be a physical reality for King Zedekiah. He's going to be taken into exile without the ability to see. But it's a spiritual reality for those who are without Christ. Those who are out of relationship with God, this is our spiritual reality. If you live your life without relationship with God, you are in exile and you can't see where you're going. Ephesians 5, 7 through 9 says, Therefore do not be partakers with them, for though you were formerly darkness, you are now the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So he says, Before you knew Jesus, all you did was wander around and you were darkness. Not just you wandered around in darkness, but you were darkness. And then once you come to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you become the light of the Lord. You become children of light. And that light consists, it's made up of goodness and righteousness and truth. It's made up of a life that's changed. 
And this is, this is a spiritual reality. Colossians 1, and 22 say, Although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in e evil deeds, yet He has now reconciled you and His fleshly body through death in order to present you before Him holy and blameless and, and beyond reproach. So you begin to see that the, 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 the really important news is that God wants relationship with you, with me and everybody you've ever met. God wants relationship with people. And the jarring part of that news is before you're in relationship with Him, He says you're wandering around and you have no idea what you're doing. You might act like you know what you're doing. You might look put together. You might trick yourself into thinking you're put together. But the fact of the matter is you're wandering around aimlessly. Or if you do have an aim... It's an aim that will result in nothing so far as eternity is concerned. He says, but once you come into relationship with me, I want this relationship with you. And the jarring part is, is this is who you are without me. And the jarring part is this is who you are with me. You're going to be different. You were formerly darkness and now you're going to be the light of the Lord. You're going to be made up. Your life will be made up of goodness and righteousness and truth. Your character, your thinking, your actions, everything about you will reveal goodness and righteousness and truth. Why? Because you're my child. And you were formerly alienated, hostile in mind, but he's reconciled you in his fleshly body through death. The death of Jesus has brought us back into relationship and his resurrection in order... This is huge, Christian, in order to present you before him holy and blameless and above reproach and beyond reproach. So God is saying, yes, I want relationship with you, but that relationship will result in you being different. You're not going to look like everybody else around you. And what had happened with the nation that was supposed to be, if you remember a few, maybe it's been about a month now, but if you remember back in Ezekiel, we saw that God, the, the, the nation of Israel, he was to have a people. There was this, to be this group of people that were supposed to be his people, and they were to be in relationship with him, and they were to know him. And he was going to have this place, this city, Jerusalem, that was his place. And, and within that city, there was the, the temple, and within the temple, there was the Holy of Holies. And everybody looked at that spot, and they said, that's where we go to understand who God is. That's, that's where he comes to us. And they were, there was to be a people, a place, and an institution, a nation. And all these were supposed to be His. And if they were His, then they would be different. But they weren't His. Because they had decided not to be. God is sovereign and He's in control of everything, but He's not a, he's not a manipulative God. There's no puppets on strings. He allows us to make choices and to do things. And his nation chose to go a different direction. And so what's happening to them now is he's, he said all along, I want this relationship with you. I want this relationship with you. And if you have relationship with me, you're going to be different. And they don't have relationship with him, and they're not different. And the fact of the matter is they look like the world around, the world around them. And in certain places, he says, you look worse. You're supposed to be my children and be different, but you look just like the world around you, and in some ways you look worse. And so he's showing them what's going to happen. 
that Jerusalem is going to be conquered, that the king is going to be taken out, he's going to be blinded, and, and he's actually going to have his children killed right in front of him. The last thing he sees is his children die, and then they put out his eyes, and then they take him into exile. Verse 8 kind of shows us that this is what's going on. Uh, in the morning, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, has the house of Israel, the rebellious house, said to you, What are you doing? Say to them, Thus says the Lord God. The burden concerns the prince in Jerusalem as well as the house of Israel who are in it. Say, I am assigned to you as I have done, so it will be done to them. And they will go into exile, into captivity. The prince who is among them will load his baggage on his shoulder in the dark and go out. They will dig a hole through the wall and, and bring it out. He will cover his face so that he cannot see the land with his eyes. I will also spread my net over him, and he will be caught in my snare. That's an important point. I will bring him to, the, to Babylon in the land of the Chaldeans. Yet he will not see, though he will not die there. God is saying, I, I'm going to use the Babylonians, but I'm going to do this. I will scatter to every wind all who are around him, his helpers and all of his troops. I will draw out the sword after them. So they will know that I am the Lord when I scatter them among the nations and spread them among the countries. But I will spare a few of them from the sword, the famine and the pestilence, that they will tell all their abominations among the nations where they go, and they may know that I am the Lord. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm going to discipline them. And the discipline is very harsh. The other thing to recognize is that this discipline is not out of line what God is, with what God has promised. If you want to read Leviticus chapter 26 later, you'll see that God is doing exactly what he said he would do. Now, this isn't some capricious, out of the blue, I lost my temper and here's some rage. This was a promise that he made to his people that if, if you reject relationship with me, I will discipline you and this is what the discipline will look like. And so he's carrying out the discipline that he said that he would carry out. And what's interesting is they, come to, they will come to a point, I will spare a few from the sword, famine, and pestilence, and they will tell of all their abominations among the nations where they go, and, they, the, and may know that I am the Lord. They're going to reach a point where they go, God did exactly what he said he was going to do. Uh, he said if we were rebellious and we rejected relationship with him and we, we weren't different because we weren't in relationship with him, he said he would do these things, and he did exactly what he said he would do. You ever have to do this with your kids? You lay it out really clear. I've done this lots of times with the kids, right? You lay it out really clear. And you say, look, you're struggling with this area right now. And, and, I, and I, want, I want to teach you what's the right thing to do in this area. So here's, here's the deal. Here's what I want you to do. And if you don't do it, I'm going to give you this discipline. And then the kid looks at you, and like 10 minutes later, sometimes sooner it feels like, they do exactly what you told them was the wrong thing to do. And now you as a parent are in a position where you go, wow, I told them that the discipline was this. And if I don't do it, I'm not a promise keeper, and I'm not a good representation of who God is in their life, because ultimately I don't need them to trust me, I need them to trust their Heavenly Father. And so I'm going to have to carry out this discipline. And and from a father's perspective, the discipline, I don't, you know, don't jump up and down. Oh, goody, I get to discipline them. This isn't the fun part for the father. God doesn't revel in this. He's not going, oh, goody, I get to discipline my children. Instead, he's going, like most parents, now I have to do this. I don't want to. 
I would have much rather seen obedience. I would much rather seen my relationship with you matter enough that you would care for my, that you would love me the way I love you and respond with obedience. You know, you got that book, The Five Love Languages. God's love language is obedience. You want to express love to God, have a deep enough relationship that you care about what he says and do it. So that's where he finds himself. He finds himself in this position where he has to step in and discipline his children. He's going to do exactly what he promised he would do. So 8 through 16, you see that God explains Ezekiel's actions in 1 through 8 as what will happen to King Zedekiah. Jerusalem would fall. Zedekiah would try to escape. He would be captured and carried away into exile as a blind man. You can read about that in 2 Kings chapter 25. But don't lose sight of what's actually going on here. God wants relationship with his people. That's important news, but it's also kind of jarring because he's not going to let us he's not going to let us keep being rebellious. He'll discipline the rebellion and he'll do what it takes to bring us back into right relationship with him. Verse 17, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, eat your bread with trembling and drink your water with quivering and anxiety. Say to the people of the land, thus says the Lord God concerning the inhabitants of Jerusalem in the land of Israel. They will eat their bread with anxiety and drink their water with horror because the land will be stripped of its fullness on the account of the violence of all who live in it. The inhabited cities will be laid waste and the land will be a desolation. So you will know that I am the Lord. And every time you see that, so you, know that I, so you will know that I am the Lord, he's saying, I made a promise in the past. I'm bringing it to come to fruition. And when you see it happen, you'll know that, I am, you'll know that God has acted and that I'm, I'm a promise keeper and I'm the Lord. Verse 19, it says, They will eat their bread with anxiety and drink their water with horror because the land will be stripped of its fullness on the account of the violence of all who live in it. Uh, that word violence, uh, it actually has the idea of taking away from another. And, and so the, the, there's almost like a, their, their land will be stripped bare because they have stripped others bare. Um, he, he's he's going to bring their conduct upon their head. You actually see that multiple times in Ezekiel. He says, I will bring your conduct upon you. What you have done and the way that you have lived is actually going to fall on you. So God has Ezekiel eat his meals in a demeanor that communicates the horrors to come in Jerusalem. Uh, one commentator says people would be forced to eat their meager rations in fear, not knowing uh, if there would be another meal. It would result, uh, the result would be that they would know Yahweh, God's Old Testament name, was the one true God. Unfortunately, they learned this by receiving his judgment. And that's, that's a, that is not the way to find out who God is. Uh, I, I don't want to experience like, like these phrases, and then they will know that I am the Lord. Think about that within your own life. The way that I want to know who God is is not, well, he made a promise of judgment, and I, 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 I chose to be disobedient, and I received the judgment. Yep, he's God. Like, that's not the relationship I want with God. I don't know about you, but that's not the one I'm looking for. I'm not looking for the one where I go, yeah, he's the one who disciplines me when I get out of line. I mean, he is that, but that's not the everyday experience I'm looking for. 
I'm looking for a deeper relationship. I'm looking for something more meaningful. I'm looking to know God in a way where, where I understand his character and I understand his promises and I understand his love. I understand his patience with me and his grace and his mercy. And instead of taking his grace, his, his mercy, and his, and his patience and, and taking them and saying, yeah, those are pretty neat. I think I'll mistreat them. Instead, I take those and I go, look how good God is to me. Look at his kindness and his heart towards me. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, as Paul says, my goal here isn't to outsend God's grace. My goal is to take God's grace and make good use of it in my own life. And God does, he entrusts that to us. He, 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 we, we are stewards of different things that God gives to us. We're stewards of our, of our time. We're stewards of our money. We're stewards of our talents. We're stewards of, of, of our children and our, and our homes. All the things that God gives us. But one of the things we're stewards of is God's grace. And his kindness and his mercy and his patience. And, and, he, and he points those towards us and you can mistreat those things. You can say, yeah, God is kind, and God is patient, and God is gracious. And because of that, I could probably get away with a little bit more. And someday, I'll do the right thing. Someday, I'll respond. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord, but you've heard the gospel lots and lots of times. And you've heard about how Jesus is, is this God who took on your sins and he bore your sins on the cross and he dealt with everything that's wrong with, that you've done and everything that's wrong within your character. And you know that's who Jesus Christ is. And, you, and you've heard that story and you've heard how he's raised from the dead. But you look at that and you know that you look at the gospel and you go, I'm pretty sure that's right. And someday I'll do something with it. I've had conversation, like I've had that conversation with a person. We had a, we had a long conversation and we talked about spiritual things and, we, and we, we got past a lot of the hurdles that were in this person's life. And, and as we jumped over each hurdle and he was able to see who Jesus was more clearly, we finally got to the end and I think he had a really clear picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ and Jesus' love and his death and his burial and his resurrection and what they all really meant. And he looked at me and he said, someday, maybe I'll have time for that. And that's essentially what the people are saying here. Maybe someday, I'll pay attention to God's promises. Another commentator says, human perversity often imagines that given reasonable luck, it's possible to sin with impunity, which means freedom from consequences of your injurious actions towards others. We like to think that we could get away with mistreating others and there won't be any consequences. And you know you do this in your own life. You think, oh, it's just a small thing. It doesn't really matter. But the fact of the matter is that eventually, when we, when we harm someone else, God is going to look at that harm that we've done to somebody else, and He's going to discipline us for it. He's not going to stand by and just watch people hurt each other forever. Eventually, He will discipline us for the times where we're injurious to other people. And that's what He's doing with the inhabitants of the land here. They've been injurious to one another repetitively. You know, the, the land will be stripped bare because they stripped others bare. They just took from others and took from others and took from others. And what you see with, throughout Scripture is the only reason you're constantly taking from someone else is because you don't have a meaningful relationship with God. If you have a meaningful relationship with God, you don't take from others. You give to others. 
The two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with everything you got, is what he says. That's the paraphrase. Love the Lord your God with everything you've got, and love your neighbor as yourself. And those two things go together. If you're loving God, if you're looking upon his character and his grace and his mercy, his kindness, his patience, his peace, you look upon those things and you understand him, and you have relationship with him, he will cause those things to flow out of you. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Through abiding relationship with God, you will live like Him. And so the only reason you're injurious, we're injurious, the only reason I'm injurious to somebody else is because in that moment, I am not walking in relationship with my God. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. But there are times through ignorance where I just walk through a day without thinking about what I'm doing or choice, I say, I'm going to do something else, that I walk out of fellowship with Him. Last quote here for this set of verses. Sin doesn't always pay at the end of the week, but it will always pay, and the wages are death. You may make a wrong choice, and, and, and payday might not show up on Friday, but eventually there will be consequences for ignoring God's promises and living in a way where you take advantage of others. Verse 21 through 24, we see the way that the people are responding to Ezekiel's message. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, what is the proverb, what is this proverb you people have concerning the land of Israel, saying the days are long and every vision fails? See, that was what they were responding with. And odds are there was another prophet. So you, what, what probably was going on was there was Ezekiel, and Ezekiel was acting as a prophet, a true prophet of God. And odds are there was another or multiple false prophets who were saying what he says is wrong, and instead something else is going to come about. And so what they were saying to Ezekiel was the days are long and every vision fails. In other words, we're fine the people are still in the land. We still possess Jerusalem. I mean, it's not great. You know, we don't have, really have a great king. And, and sure, we're a vassal state, and really we're just puppets of Babylon, and we don't really get to make our own choices. But we're still in the land, and, and we could ignore the fact that we don't really have control of our country uh, because we still have the land. Everything's fine. Everything's good. The national state of Israel is much like the spiritual state of most people. The national state of Israel was one where they said, yeah, we have control, and we're in our own land, and we get to make our own choices, but the fact of the matter was somebody else was in control. Yeah, we're in control. We've got our own nation, and we're still in the city, and the temple's still there. We're doing great. Everything's good. Life is gravy. And the fact of the matter is somebody else was in control. And that's a spiritual state that we live in without Christ. We live in a spiritual state where we say, everything's great. I've got a nice house. I got a good car. I got a good job. I treat people pretty well. You know, I only, I only do a couple things that are bad. Most everything's really good. I'm in control. But the fact of the matter is somebody else is walking Somebody else is in control. He calls us sons of disobedience. He calls us uh, under the power, of the, 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 prince of the, the, the prince of the power of the air. He says, he says you don't have control. You're not in control. 
But the fact of the matter is you're living, you're living for what your flesh wants, and that's all you ever do is indulge your fleshly desires. And, and you're under the power of somebody else. He would, he would say Satan. The scriptures would reveal that we don't live in control. But their response is the days are long and every vision fails. In other words, you're full of baloney. We don't go for it. Verse 23, Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I will make this proverb cease so that they will no longer use it as a proverb in Israel. But tell them, The days draw near as well as the fulfillment of every vision. For, I will no, for there will no longer be false vision or flattering divination within the house of Israel. I'm going to bring this to pass and all the people who are feeding you what you want to hear, what makes you comfortable, flattering divination. All the people who look at you and say, no, don't listen to him. You're good. You make your own choices. You be in control. You, you be you. You do what makes you happy. You go ahead and indulge your flesh. He says, those, those prophets won't be there anymore. And what the people do is they express that they understand what Ezekiel is telling them, but nothing is happening and God will not act on his promises. Not those promises anyway. Not the ones where we don't like what he says. He'll only act on the promises that I like. Think about that within your own life. He'll only act on the promises that I like. Verse 25, For the Lord will speak, and whatever, the word, I, and whatever word I speak will be performed. For I, the Lord, will speak, and whatever word I speak will be performed. It will no longer be delayed. For in your days, O rebellious house, I will speak the word and perform it, declares the Lord God. Furthermore, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, behold, the house of Israel is saying, the vision that he sees is for many years from now, and he prophesies of times far off. Therefore say to them, thus says the Lord God, none of my words will be delayed any longer. And whatever word I speak, it will be performed, declares the Lord God. There's a story in Luke chapter 12 where Jesus uh, tells a story of a rich man and how he's, he's, he's got all the stuff. Uh, you know, he's, he's, got, he's got the money, he's got the inheritance, he's got the house, he's got, he's got it all. And he says, take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus says, the fool says, eat, drink, and be merry. Because tomorrow your life may, de may be demanded of you. Tomorrow you could stand before your maker and all the stuff you have isn't going to matter. All the smoke and mirrors that you've been living for, they won't make a difference in eternity. It won't matter how good of a person you were. It won't matter how nice you were. It won't matter what you gave to charity. It won't matter if you were successful in business. It won't, none of that stuff will matter. What will matter is did you have relationship with the God of the universe through the Lord Jesus Christ? God wants relationship with you and me. 
He's made it readily available through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said, he said you can come to the Father, but through no one but me. And so here's the message of God saying, I want relationship with you. And my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has made every provision for you to be in relationship with me. And someday I'll deal with that. Maybe sometime I'll get there. Or maybe you're a Christian and you've said, yeah, I absolutely have a relationship with God. Totally. I, I believe that Jesus Christ, and not just believe like I think it's something that took place, but like I trust it. I trust that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and, and, and for me as a sinner. And that he was buried, he literally died, and then he was literally raised from the dead. And, you're, and that, 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 if you trust that, you're a Christian. And nobody can take that from you. And neither can any wrong behavior that you ever take. Nothing, nothing that you do will secure that, and nothing that you do will make that unsecure. Jesus paid it all. There's nothing that's owed. But once you become a Christian, the point isn't for you to keep having to say, oh, I messed up again, and I don't know how to have victory, and oh, I messed up again, and I don't know how to have victory. But instead, God wants to move you from, from constantly feeling like you don't know how to live life to a place where you, where you know you're His child, and you know that His Spirit dwells within you, and you know that you have intimate relationship with God. And, and instead of feeling like you have to do the right stuff, you say, I know God, and I know His character, and I want to do the right things. And then the question becomes, how? And God says the way, the way to how you live an upright life is through relationship with me, through knowing you're my child, and through abiding in the power of the Holy Spirit as you walk out your days here on life. And there's two things that the Holy Spirit will do really clear in the Scriptures. One, uh, for the Christian. One is that he will, he, will call, he will give you the strength to live an upright life. He will, he will cause in you the things that were true of Jesus. John 15 talks about this abiding relationship with the Spirit. And then if, you, if you're in relationship, if you're a vine that's connected to the, or if you're a branch that's connected to the vine, you will bear fruit. The Spirit of God will cause you to have peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control and love. He'll give you all those things. You will live that way. The other thing that the Spirit of God was given to Christians for, and sometimes we miss this one, is in Acts chapter 1, he says, you will, the Spirit of God will come upon you and you will have power and you will be my witnesses. The Spirit of God will cause you to grow up out of I don't know how to live to I will live like Christ by the power of Holy Spirit and I will be a witness. The Spirit of God will cause those things in you. And so don't delay. Don't say, someday I'll get to that. Someday I'll take the next step in the Christian walk. And someday, maybe I'll listen to that promise that God says His Spirit dwells within me and that God says that He'll give me the power to live a different way and that He'll give me a purpose. And that purpose would be to show Him to other people and to reveal His life to others, to be a witness. Don't say someday. Say today. And, and so you listen to these promises of God. And what he does here is God explains that the people's in, uh, inaction, they're just kind of staying where they are and maybe even moving the other direction. The people's inaction is short-sighted, calloused, calloused, 
and a foolish response to his patience, mercy, and grace. God will act in line with his revealed character, promises, and plans. He will do this. And to do nothing with God's to do nothing with God's with God's patience, His mercy, and His grace. To stand and say, uh, I, "I'm just going to sit still. I'm not going to move based upon what God has revealed." That's 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 short-sighted. It shows a little bit of callous, maybe fear. Maybe you're going, "I don't know how to do that." But it's also, in this case, he's revealing to these people that that's a foolish response. To look at God, to know his character, to look at the cross of Jesus and realize that he paid for my sin and he dealt with me as a sinner. To to realize that he rose from the dead and proved that he's God and he did it to give me relationship with him and new life. And do nothing with it and keep living the same way. That's not a good response. And so what is God saying to you today? This is between you and the Spirit of God and maybe somebody close to you in your life. What is God saying to you today? What is God saying to you in this season of life? I had a really neat conversation with my mom last night. Uh, my mom's in her mid-60s and she's, she's, she's still working. And she said, God has me right where, I, where he wants me to be. God has me right where he wants me to be. I'm in this workplace, and I'm surrounded by, uh, there's, there's a large group of people who do not know the Lord. They, they do not have relationship with him. And some of them I have connection with, and some of them I get to speak to, but most of them, they're just kind of watching my life. She said, but then there's also, there's a group of Christian ladies at my workplace, and we meet together. And we, we talk and we pray and we have really neat conversations. These younger, these younger ladies, they come to me and they say, I had an opportunity today to share the gospel with so-and-so. Like this is going on in her workplace. And she, she then says, okay, well, well, how did it go? And she says, where I find myself is I find myself not in a position where I'm always sharing the gospel, um, although God does give me those opportunities. Where I find myself most often is in a position where I'm, I'm kind of a mentor. I'm kind of the... I'm, I'm the, wise, the wise lady in the room that people bounce ideas off of. And that's the season of life that my mom is in. So what season of life are you in? What, what is God saying to you today? What is God saying to you in this season of your life? Finding ways to suppress what God is, is saying to you uh, so you can procrastinate a little longer is short-sighted, calloused, and foolish in light of God's patience, mercy, and grace. So I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey. I know some of you enough to take a stab at it. I don't know where you're at. But God wants relationship with you. And not just kind of a Sunday relationship. God wants daily relationship with you. And that daily relationship with you will cause you to be some things. We saw that in Ephesians and Colossians. It'll cause you to be light. It'll cause you to be something that reveals who God is to the people around you. And so how does God, what is he saying to you? How does he want to use you today as you're in relationship with, with him.
And how does God, how does God want to reveal himself through you in this season of your life? Don't hold that down. But instead, maybe jot down some notes. Maybe spend some time in prayer. Interact with God about it. And if you're going, gosh, I don't know how to do what God just put on my heart. Talk to somebody. Because God cares about you. He wants intimate relationship with you. And he's longing to change you and reveal himself through you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you do long for relationship with us and that you love us enough to discipline us when we are uh, missing that relationship with you. The markers on the roadside when we're, when we're not in relationship with you are times when we find ourselves being uh, injurious to others, where we are willing to take advantage of somebody else or uh, self-centered and we say things like, uh, <laughs> you know, I know this would be better for this person if I did this, but it would be better for me if I made this other choice and so I'm going to do the choice that's best for me. The markers on the roadside of, of a point in our life where we're not in relationship, where we're not in close relationship with you is self-centeredness and a willingness to take advantage of others. So when we see those road markers, uh, may we just recognize that uh, we're, out of, we're out of a close relationship with you at that moment. As a Christian, that just means I've, I've chosen to do something different than be in an abiding relationship with God. And at that point, we can simply say, God, I agree, I'm living the wrong way, and, and I want relationship with you, and so I'm going to ask your spirit to fill me, and I'm going to live in line with who you've made me to be, and, and I'm going to thank you for this relationship that I have with you. And that might be just a today thing, and that might be the last six months that we've been living that way, or longer. So God, I pray that you would wake anyone up in the room who is living that way right now, outside of relationship with you. That they would see your mercy, that your, your, your longing to withhold the consequences of their actions. That's what your mercy is. You, you long to withhold the consequences of our actions and instead pour them out on your son. That they would see that mercy that they would see your grace, that you, you long to bless them and give uh, not just what you have, but who you are to us. That they would look upon that through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and say, I want closeness with God. He clearly wants it with me. And then say, God, what is that next step in my life? Is today the day of salvation where you want me to move away from uh, living on my own and outside of relationship with you and make a choice to trust in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection and, and enter into a brand new way of living? Is that today? God, do you want to wake me up as a Christian and show me who I am and, and cause me to understand that you've made me a, a child of light, that you've caused me to be this brand new creation and that your spirit of God dwells in me and, and you want me to live a, a brand new way in this relationship with you.
but I'm not sure how. What next step should I take, God? Maybe you've been living the Christian life for a long time, and, and God, we find ourselves in a place of complacency. We just kind of go through the same routines and go through the, do the same thing every day, but we're not really paying attention to the people around us. We're not really seeing the spiritual condition of our neighbors and of our friends and our coworkers and our family, but instead we're just sort of cruising through life. You've called us to so much more than that. And when we're in relationship with you, you will cause us to see those things. So will you wake us up? Maybe it's something else, God. I don't know what you're doing with every person in this room. I could never assume to know such a thing. But Spirit of God, will you speak to each one of us and based upon your love and your mercy and your grace, may we respond in obedience. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.